0: And then I came home and I sat down on my couch and I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get to do that again. (laughs) It it like was this overwhelming weight on me that was like, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. Oh my, nothing is ever going to be like that again. I can't believe that just happened. And now I have to go wait tables tomorrow.
1: If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to Ten Thousand Knows, and welcome back to our first new episode of 2020. I hope you enjoyed the previous three weeks where we reposted some interviews from the archives. If you haven't listened to those ones, especially Charlie Rocket and Jay Faruja, and you're looking to kickstart your new year, I highly suggest them. Both are quite transformative. Speaking of transformations, today's guest, Amanda Clayton, transforms herself every week to play Kathy Ryan on City on a Hill, literally unrecognizable in the role, but I'll let you hear about that in the actual interview. This episode today, which we recorded last fall in a hotel room in Asbury Park, New Jersey, so forgive us if at any point you hear construction in the background, is raw. And what I mean is that Amanda really exposes the ins and outs of trudging through a career as an actor. If you're not in the entertainment business, I think you'll be entertained, potentially appalled at what we put ourselves through to make it in this business. And if you are an aspiring actor yourself, wondering whether you'll ever get that break, this episode is a must listen. I'm going to spare you Amanda's bio and resume fully because we go through a lot of it and we'll leave links in the show notes if you want to see what else she's done. But the big ones to know are City on a Hill, where she absolutely crushes this role as the tough-as-nails wife of an armed car robber. She brings danger, motherly protection, grit, and Boston. She captures the attitude of Boston perfectly. The other one to know is that she was a series regular on Tyler Perry's series if loving you is wrong some crazy stories about the pace at which they worked on that show in fact tons of crazy stories in this episode but rather than me tell you here she is amanda clayton actually i think it's it's a good thing to start with where we are right now we're in asbury park new jersey we got invited to this i put it in quotes celebrity golf tournament (laughs) We were the, quote, celebrities. (laughs)
0: The, quote, celebrities. And that is
1: a whole thing that we will talk about, I think, in this conversation because it just plays into the 10,000 Nose theme of, like, you know, how do we define ourselves? How are we defined? What is our role? What is a role as actors outside of acting? All of that kind of stuff. So we can kind of get into it. but. First of all, thanks for sitting down with me. Of
0: course, thanks for having me. Your this husband is
1: Kevin is uh, has been with us the whole time too, and we'll get him. He's got a great story that will. I'm not sure when because I work with him on City on a Hill as well. That's where we all met. Yeah, which is kind of crazy that I only met you guys
0: like five, five months ago, months or, ago something? or something.
1: Yeah. Um, and after this weekend, really the last couple of days, just hanging with you guys, you're—did we just a, become best friends? We we became yes. best friends. <laughs> so so I I want to get into City on a Hill eventually because you are so good. I want to tell what happened yesterday with those guys at the Country Club. <laughs> uh, but before that, let's kind of go rewind all the way back to. You, growing up, like, did you know you were gonna do this as a kid? When did you get the acting bug?
0: I told my mom when I was three years old. I don't remember this, but my mom does, and I remember having this notion, but I told my mother when I was three years old that I wanted to live inside the television. (laughs) I remember watching... Had you just seen Poltergeist? (laughs) I I remember watching, and I don't remember what show it was. It was not Mr. Rogers, but something on that idea where there was uh, human people interacting with puppets or people in a suit or whatever. And I remember this, one of the little puppets in this episode had lost something and was very, very sad. And by the end of the episode, they found it and gave it back to her. And she was... So excited and happy. And it was the first time I was around three years old. And it was the first time I felt an overwhelming emotion of like happiness that made me want to cry. And I didn't understand it at that at all. I just knew that this feeling was like insane. And I knew that I felt that way for the people on the television. And I knew at even then that I wanted to do that. Wow. I wanted to make people... Feel that way? Wow! I know that that I knew that then. Now, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't, I couldn't put all that together at three. Yeah. But I re- vividly remember having that feeling, that notion, not understanding what was going on, but knowing like, whoa, something crazy just happened to me, and it was because I watched this t- story unfold. And I was like, "That's what I wanted. I want to do that. Yeah. I want to make people feel." this really crazy, amazing feeling. And I apparently I told my mother that I wanted to live inside the television.
1: So what's crazy about that is I've, heard, I've sat down with people who have said similar things. Like I said it when I was three or five or whatever. I had this feeling. And I go, I think of myself, I used to watch movies and I'd watch, you know, Indiana Jones was the first, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first movie we got with our VCR. So I watched it over and over and over again. And like, I wanted to be... Indiana Jones. Um, And I just figured that that's kind of what everybody did when they watched a movie. I don't think I thought, oh, I'm going to be an actor. I didn't even know what an actor was, but I just really identified with whoever was on the screen. So I wonder when I'm sitting down with someone, did everybody have that as a kid, but we just kind of ended up Following it later on, or did not everybody have that? You know, I I, I, and we'll never know the answer. I think
0: everybody has it as a kid. I think everybody or like want to be a football
1: player or like you know a a pro baseball player. There's something that
0: affects you, something that gets you, but then you don't totally. You either miss the step where you put together what it was, or you grow up beyond that imaginative stage of, you know, playing Indiana Jones or whatever it is. And you're just kind of like, okay, that's done. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I think my parents hoped that that was going to (laughs) happen. They were like, (laughs) yeah, 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 that's cute. Go do dance and go do this and go to modeling school and do whatever else and, like, get it out of your system, basically. And then when I was graduating high school... And still saying this is what I wanted to do. So
1: did you do it all through? Were you doing plays and all that stuff? We didn't in sp- high school. Okay, so Rhode Island. You grew up in Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Where in Rhode Island? Johnston. Johnston. Is yeah. that near Providence? Is
0: near that- Providence. Okay. I was born in Providence. I lived in East Providence. I went to high school in Johnston. So that's where.
1: What was the gist of your childhood? Your mom was a teacher. My
0: mom was a teacher. My dad was a trucker. Uh, we were the like all American, you know, I have two sisters, two younger sisters. We played softball, did cheerleading. My mom was like, we were going to golf lessons in our softball uniform to like go to the tournament, right? It was like (laughs) six o'clock golf lessons, like 10 o'clock AM tournament that we had to drive like across town to go to get to. And it was just constant jumping all over the place. I was a cheerleader, but I was also an athlete. I was not the cheerleader. I was doing both uh, yeah. like at all times. And my sisters and I were all in three different age ranges. And so my mom
1: was like you was all, all over oh, I
0: don't know she must have been like three different people at some point because it, <laughs> yeah. it, it was impossible. And coaching. and by both of my parents coached. Really? Now, how did your dad?
1: So your dad was a trucker, and you were telling me like he would be gone for long stretches of time when I was really little. Oh, when you were little.
0: And then as as we got older, as my after my middle sister was born, and he almost missed it (laughs) because he was on the road, and he got back in time. But after that, he decided this is crazy. I have two kids at home now, and I gotta stay more local. And so he was more just around New England, so it was within a few hours. He wasn't like. Yeah. going all the way down to Texas and Alabama anymore. Okay. Um, But, yeah, he was on the road. It was like he was still not home the same amount as, like, my mom was a school teacher. She was on our schedule.
1: And she was a high basically. school teacher? She at- was
0: elementary school elementary. for most of my childhood, and then she moved to the high school, and she just retired. Okay. So it was a— uh, it was great that she was Phys a teacher. Ed teacher. Phys Ed.
1: Okay, so, so she <laughs> so so she was hence she was coaching. She was an athlete herself, she I was, guess. She was, she was a
0: gymnast, volleyball. Yeah. She okay. Did. She played on a baseball team when she was young. Like she tucked her hair under her hat and like pretended. That's she was awesome, just to, like, especially back go then. Go and play baseball with the boys. Yeah. And like the I early your 60s, sisters I guess. athletes as well. My youngest sister is more of an athlete than my middle sister. My middle sister played like soccer, and then she was a cheerleader, and that was kind of her niche. And then she she just sort of like. Did it because it was what everybody else was doing. Yeah. Where my youngest sister and I were the ones who my youngest sister's goal through high school was to be better at softball than I was, and she she accomplished it. She was way better than I was. <laughs> but were you? And I was pretty, pretty good. Uh, were you? I pretty? To, did
1: you play in college? Did you? I,
0: I went to URI because I wanted to play softball for URI, and I had like trained um, in the the fall and stuff with some of the girls from URI when we transitioned from slow pitch to fast pitch in my town and um, I went there wanting to play for URI and as I got there I realized as I was going into URI and and looking at classes and looking at what I wanted to do I realized that theater if I really wanted to do theater that was going to take up my I couldn't be going to practices and traveling for games and doing theater and doing plays and, and auditioning for stuff and Fully, it was like one or the other.
1: Okay, so when you you said you were doing sports all growing up, but when did you start doing? So you must have been doing plays in high school then. No, no. So okay, so so when did this come about where theater was like equal with sports? When I what was there one particular thing that happened?
0: It. It was never equal. Um, but I, think but it, I mean,
1: when did you come to the point where you're like, well, I can't do sports because I want to do theater and it's going to take the time? If, if you had never done theater,
0: I'm wondering, like, when did that become a thing? There was you? a weird... I'm kind of realizing this for the first time right now. There was a, a moment after... I forget which Olympics it was. Um, I mean, I was huge. I, softball was like my life growing up. I played year-round, all-star teams, traveled, all this stuff. And um, we were watching the Olympics one year and I remember that I remember reading a story This was like gold medal Olympic team. And it was like, Oh my God, that would be amazing. And how do I get there? And all this stuff. And I remember seeing a story about how one of the girls from the Olympic team was like a doctor. She wasn't like, it was realizing sort of for the first time, I think it was a junior in high school that, um, these women weren't professional athletes. They are in every respect of a professional athlete. They're not paid like a professional athlete. They don't get to be like the Red Sox and just go play and travel and do their thing until they're, you know, 30 some, 40 years old. She had to have a full career on the side to support, it. to support going to the Olympics. And we were going, we went up to Connecticut and watched these girls play and, all this stuff it was this like very tangible thing. It was like I've met some of them and took pictures with them and I was like but wait, that's not what they do for a living. And it just sort of opened my eyes to like I could do this through college and really enjoy myself, but it's not something that is going to sustain. And I was going to have to do something else anyway. And it was kind of a, a really transitional moment I think in my brain it was like, oh, it was coming to this realization of this sort of childhood dream of being able to Right.
1: So now you had to go get to this my whole stable life. like being an actor. Like
0: yeah, like really stable, <laughs> dependable so it career. Certain, it's a very yeah, yeah, slow um, trajectory. <laughs> becoming an actor was obviously obviously the safe choice. The
1: safest choice. So so you go at that point and you're now you go to school and now you're looking into a theater program, but you, it's, uh, did they even have a theater program? They did. I was at URI okay. for my the first two of years Island of college. University of
0: Rhode Island for okay. anybody outside of Rhode Island. Um, and I was going there anyway. Um, and it, I was going and my mother, in her not understanding anything about you know, drama, acting, theater, anything like that, or or the projection of that career other than the fact that it's terrifying and why would you let your child do this? She said, well, why don't you just go in as undecided? Just go in as undecided, maybe do communications, get your degree. It's still something that you can be, you know, sort of in front of a camera or you can be that, you know, sort of center of attention in a certain way and it's. i was like mom that's not what it's about that's not what i'm trying to do and it was trying to get her to understand that but eventually i relented i was like okay i'll do undec- like undecided for my what was it for about though, for you
1: cuz i'm ch- i know what it is for me what what was it for you like why you became an actor cuz it's not you know contrary to what people that don't do this may think i think for most of the actors i know it has nothing to do with like wanting to be Famous, it has no, to do God, with no. something very far from. What was it for you?
0: There was it, that thing about about affecting people was the really like the truest, purest form of it. Like that three year old mentality of like, oh, this is awesome. I want to do this to somebody. Like I want somebody to be affected in this way. I want so to make. I want everybody to feel this this incredible feeling. This so happy I could cry. For your sake, like not even for myself, it's like for you that that feeling was so overwhelming that it that was my initial like purest, purest form of why I wanted to do why I wanted to live inside the television, quote unquote. (laughs) And when I got older, so in high school, we didn't have drama, but I did my uh, senior year English teacher gave us an assignment to perform, we had to do something. We had to write a poem. We had to do something artistic. Write a poem, write a song. We could, like, sit at home and record a song and just bring it in. And, like, we had to do something that spoke to who we are as individuals and something that we had covered somewhere along the year. This was sort of our, like, final... Um, Great assignment. Not in final exam, but it was like a... Great assignment. It was like, make us come out of our shell a little bit and really like, how did this year of learning all these, like, all of this English literature affect you, basically? So I did, I decided, and I don't know why, <laughs> because I was so shy As far as putting myself out there in front of anybody, I was an athlete and a cheerleader, and I had tons of friends, and it was a wonderful experience in high school, but I was so reserved and so embarrassed to, like, put myself out there in front of anybody. Didn't want to be the center of attention in so many ways. And I decided I was going to do a monologue from St. Joan. And I... I got my entire class, when it was my turn, this was over like a week of presenting all these projects. And when it was my day to go, I was like, okay. And told my class, we all had to go to the auditorium, which I can't, like looking back, I'm like, I can't believe that my little like tiny little shy self was like willing to tell this entire class of people to like come to the, down to the auditorium. And I, put on, I think, like, a full, like, white linen wardrobe or something. I forget. Like, literally, I changed my clothes. I I didn't even just stand up there and, like, whatever I was wearing. And I stood in front of my entire class on the stage of our auditorium and did this monologue. And... Then we went back upstairs. <laughs>
1: that? Well, was hold on, slow
0: down. What was the
1: reaction? I bet the reaction was awesome because- A
0: little bit jaw dropped, yeah. Like there was people that I didn't, I didn't think would, I thought would just be like, oh my God, whatever, she's so stupid and like, who cares? That were like, whoa, I didn't know you wanted to do that. Like, I didn't know that that was, so, like, that was cool. How did you remember all those lines? Like, how did you remember that whole monologue? And I was like, oh, that people, oh, okay. And my teacher said it was great. And she was like, I'm impressed. Like, this is really wonderful. And then when I, (laughs) this will go into what we're going to talk about later. When it came time, then we had to grade ourselves, which I didn't know at the time. By the end of the week, she said, okay, now everybody has to grade themselves out of 100. And I gave myself a 90, I think. I may have even given myself an 85. Yeah. And it was because I chose something that was... To I guess to my mind, it wasn't outside of the box enough for me because it was still something that I enjoyed or it wasn't like trying to write poetry, which I was terrible at or writing writing a song and singing, which I was terrified and still am to do. It was like, Oh, I'll do a monologue. And I took like, to me at the time, I took the easy way out. Yeah. So I gave myself, I think it was a 90. I took like 10 points off of my own score and she was like, "Okay, fair enough." And that's what she gave me. <laughs> right. She wasn't like, "No, that was great." And I like shortchanged myself a little bit for what I did because, it really, thinking back on it, I'm like, I can't believe that that version of Amanda did that. Yeah. But that feeling of getting up there in front of everybody and accomplishing that and getting through it, but it wasn't being center of attention, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't. There wasn't a self serving thing about it. It was. It really was. I've got very emotionally connected to the character of Joan of Arc. In in studying those lines, and why do you
1: think now you picked Joan of Arc? What do you think it was?
0: I think there was this really. I, I loved the story. We had studied the story loosely uh, earlier in the year, and it's why I was like, and in the t- in the time we didn't like study the whole thing, and we just studied like excerpts from it, and I loved. The story. I love the idea of this like 16-year-old girl who just was like no felt so strongly about something whether she heard heard voices from God or whatever it was felt so strongly about something that she led this army into battle at 16 was so like wait what I'm 16 this is crazy I'm like I can't imagine and it was I I found myself really enthralled with the story, the true story of yeah. her. And then as I was reading through a monologue book, I came across this monologue for, and I was like, oh, this is from St. Joan. And I love that character. And I wasn't super familiar with that style of writing and that style of speech and all this stuff. But it was like, it just spoke to me in some strange, yeah. like really it's, emotionally way. really cool way. to hear
1: that because I'm thinking of like Kathy Ryan. your character on city on a hill in some little way, you could look at parallels to her and Joan of Arc. Like she, she is leading, like she's really the, the, in a way she's the leader of the household more than Frankie Ryan. Well, they're kind of combo, but she, she, they are,
0: but her gut instincts are way harder. Yeah.
1: She's, she's really like, so that's, that's cool for me to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I love this and, and I won't go into mine, but, but, my, I had a similar path from sports into acting and a similar experience like that in college. And, and so to hear this, I understand what, what you did. And I'm like, it, it's really, uh, you know, getting to know you and then hearing that story. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. We have that very, very similar uh, journey into it yeah. from there. Um, so, okay, so you do that you're now, you're doing, you do the theater program.
0: Which was by accident too, because I had relented and said, okay, mom, I think you're right. Like I'll go in as undecided and just sort of take my gen eds and get started in college and like figure this whole thing out. And I got to first day of orientation Where everybody's standing around, there's all like the the TAs are standing around and they're all, you know, like holding the sign that says, come over here for undecided and come over here for pharmaceuticals and come over here for geography or whatever. And then it was like, I was like, okay, well, where is undecided? And I'm looking, there's a crowd (laughs) of people, there's people everywhere, everybody's trying to move through and get to their group to go off and figure out how to sign up for all your classes and do all this stuff. I literally I was looking and looking and looking, and I couldn't figure it out, and I'm trying to find the sign that says Undecided, and I can't. And smack in front of me is theater. S- like, right in front of me, and I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's too bad I'm not going with them. Okay, where's Undecided? <laughs> I kept looking, and I was like, I can't. And I kept looking back at the stand, and I was like, you know what? It-, <laughs> it was like my first time of kind of taking the stand on my own I was like, I'm, I'm my own now. I'm, this is my time and this is what I want to do. I'm going to go with the theater group and sign up for theater classes. And I remember calling my mom later that day and being like, so I signed up for theater classes. And she was kind of like, okay, I thought you were doing undecided. I thought she was going to be upset. I yeah. don't know why. And she was like, oh, all right, well, okay, did you get your, you're doing gen eds and stuff too. And I was like, yes. And. That was sort of how I, I just kind of fell into, like, no, this is what I'm going to do. So cool. I'm going it's like a to dream. do theater.
1: I mean, really, it's and like, it, it sounds like. It sort of like happened by
0: accident. Like, it was just, if they hadn't been right in front of me, I don't know if I would have had the courage to seek it out. Yeah. It was, they were literally right in front of where but I was that, standing.
1: To me, that sounds like a dream. It's like you're in the dream. Like, it sounds like you just described a dream. And, like, the theater thing is right in front of me. You can't avoid it. You go there, and boom. It's just, and sometimes that's. That's the way it works out. Like yeah. things kind of present themselves and then you take a leap. And you and- have
0: to have the courage to go after it.
1: Yeah. So you did that. Did you like that program or was it?
0: I did. I, yeah. I did. For the first two years, I did. They, um, the URI program was really fun. Um, I do. I still, there's stuff that I learned my freshman, sophomore year of college that I apply to yeah. my work today that I call back to, that I I definitely like struck chords with me and it's stuff that I it's my foundation now you know and I'm so glad that I started on the theater end of things yeah um after my sophomore year just before college the summer before I had gone to this like New York want to be an actor convention crazy thing and uh, it was called IMTA There's a bunch of people who like, there's one in, they do one in New York and they do one in Los Angeles. And it's this like, pay us a whole bunch of money and come be an actor and get discovered. Like, that's like the big thing. And I had, (laughs) that's a whole nother story. I had, I had heard about it on the radio and I was like, oh my God, I want to go do this thing. And my mom was like, I don't know about this. And we drove up to Worcester, Massachusetts and we went to this like presentation about it and it was going to cost like a bunch of money. And I told my parents, I don't want a car. Don't buy me a car. I was 16. I said, don't buy me a car. Pay for me to go to this thing. I'm like, we'll call it even. And they were like, okay, if that's really what you want, then that's what we'll do. And I went, I went the summer after I graduated high school and my mom and my grandmother were there with me. And they, it was like eight days in New York city. And they were like, what are we doing here? Like walking around, it was like models and all these kids with like headshots and all this. I had headshots that I had, had done, but I yeah. didn't know. None of us knew what we were doing. None yeah. of us. Yeah.
1: P.S., and neither still, did those people. They neither were, did they. they. Were well, there was some that yeah, did, there was yeah. some
0: that were like trained yeah. and ready to no, be saying, discovered. Yeah. Right. And, but yeah, no, yeah. they, neither did they. <laughs> and they, uh, so I, and we're just like wandering around this hotel in New York and doing these like here do these do this commercial audition for us and do this and do that and all these different little competitions and stuff and by the end of it it was like this massive you know awards presentation and i had come in out of there was like 650 girls in my like age category and i came in like first runner up for like t- overall talent of the year or something Whatever that meant, because nothing came of it. Nothing at all came of that (laughs) event, other than the fact that my mother and my grandmother were like, oh, 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 she, you can do this. Because the funny part was, too, I was just wandering around the hotel with them. They never saw me do anything. They weren't in the room when I was actually performing or, or auditioning or doing any of these things. They never saw a lick of it. But then they saw me on stage at the end getting this award, and they were like, Wait, what? Like she just like she's in second place to this other like one other person.
1: And timeline-wise, this is before the moment where you went to college and yeah. had the undecided thing. Okay, so when yeah. you saw that theater thing, you had this under your belt. I did. Yeah.
0: So I had the confidence to just yeah. go, to well, go into it saying. and just feel like, be like I you can... didn't get
1: anything from this, but what you got was the confidence of like, yes. oh, I could do this. It's not completely in my own head. Like somebody outside of me, even if it's a terrible program. There are a bunch of people. Somehow I was near the top. Right. Almost on top. Right. So, okay.
0: And so there was a sense of like, okay, this is something that I'm capable of doing. And then I, I, but while I was there, I had auditioned for a summer program for a school called, at the time, called the School for Film and Television, which was in New York. And they were on camera acting conservatory. That did a summer program, or you could do the two-year full conservatory program. Non-degree granting, they were just, a, just come yeah. learning acting from us. And after my sophomore year at URI, I said to my parents, I was like, I'm, I'm barely passing. Like, C's in all of my gen ed classes. Just because you didn't care? I didn't. Yeah. I, I just didn't care enough. And it wasn't about it wasn't about just not acting. It was all of my theater classes, including, like, stage management and uh, scene study and all of these different things, script analysis and all of these other um, classes that had nothing to do with acting specifically. I was – I had A+. Plus. I was, like, a 4.0 grade average if you just took that. Yeah. But then when you added in my, like, math and nutrition and whatever else I was taking at the time – it was, I was barely getting by and I, it was like, mom, this is finally had to sit them down and just say like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is what I want and this is what I can do. And I don't want to waste my time and your money <laughs> because they were paying me to go to school. Yeah, I yeah. want to go to. See if I, I had already been accepted at the, that summer before to the summer program of that uh, conservatory school, but I didn't want to do the summer program. I wanted to do the full two-year two year. program. So you left URI and did that. So I left URI. I Convinced them to let me go to New York. And how old are you at
1: this point? Nineteen. Nineteen. You go down in the city by yourself. Any
0: friends? By myself. No friends. No w- friends. You live
1: by yourself, or you find a roommate? Lived
0: or- in there was a student housing in Brooklyn. And I moved to New York City, 19 years old, all by myself. There was like two other girls in my dorm room at the time. What year is this? With, this was, this was specific date. Hold on, I have to do the math really quick. It was September 5th, 2001.
1: Oh, wow. You were there six days prior.
0: Six days before. September 11th was our second day of classes. And... We watched everything happen out the window. We were a mile across the water in Brooklyn.
1: Where were you in Brooklyn? Were you in? Uh...
0: Right on Tillery Street, um, right across the the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And um, at the time, I had no idea what was going on, and it wasn't like. Yeah. Everybody was sort of like, "That's it, I'm leaving." And there were there were a couple of kids that left. There, my parents were like, "We're coming to get you," and I was like, "Why?" First of all, I'm mean, like the safest place in the in the world right now. And, you know, and in, in the aftermath of everything, it was like, okay, like the, yeah. the National no, Guard is like, yeah, everybody's, no, I was there. I we're was high there. alert. And I yeah, I was it was like, like I'd,
1: I'd been there for, for, at that point.
0: It was like, no one is safer right now years. than yeah. we are in this moment. Like, it's like, we're fine. Yeah. And I didn't want, it was like, no, it's, and in the, in that moment, in those hours, days, all that stuff right afterwards, there was this really incredible sense of community, solidarity yeah. in the city. And it was like life moving on despite the fact yeah. of what had just happened. A pretty, it was like I this was refusal just, to like, it was like, nope, we're going to go right back to class and we're going to go right back to work. And we're going to go, I remember Saturday Live came pur- back on yeah, and it was, it was like- almost more purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, I think that was a, oddly enough a big catalyst too, to be like, nothing is going to stop us from doing what we want to do. And like- yeah. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm 19 years old. I'm in a very strange place. And the worst catastrophe in the world has just happened. But I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to be here. And yeah, and that was so, for those two years, I I plowed through school and I absorbed everything I could. Yeah. And um, it was really great. And I, I ended up getting... Not to be braggadocious about that too, but it was like another little feather in my own cap of like, okay, I'm not just delirious with this or I'm not just letting somebody blow smoke. I actually ended up getting a scholarship after our second, after our first year, before our second year, I got a full scholarship for like most talented student or whatever it was. It was like one one boy and one girl were chosen as um the most like talent potential or something like that. Right. And I ended up getting it like they announced it before our second year. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Here's about <laughs> I, I wanna like I in wanna interject
1: for anybody listening. Like I've I've just spent the last two days hanging with you and your husband Kevin, who I love as well. And you guys are so down to earth, salted salt of the earth, and so like so, you've now. So there are a couple of things you're like. I got the you know the runner up on this. I got the most talented thing. Even you saying that, like you're you're so you're so humble. And I really I know it because I've just hung with you, and so I appreciate you actually telling us this because I can't go look on Wikipedia. They're not going to tell me that you (laughs) won my most talented. It doesn't exist anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So I I appreciate you telling us that. And, And I only, I bring it up for anybody listening to be like, you can still be super humble and super, you know, real and cool and still acknowledge, yeah, I got this Award. I was good. Like you can do that. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And you and I have had conversations this weekend about that. Like, oh, well, I can't bring that up because then it's going to sound like I'm bragging or you even qualified it as you said. As not being bragging. I just want to say I appreciate you bringing that up because otherwise I I could not. Really know that,
0: and know, without those things, with I think my extensive
1: research, team. <laughs> they your, I'm spies, fire them. <laughs>
0: your spies have not collected yeah. all of the data. Yeah. I I bring it up too because it's without those things. I don't I don't know if I would have believed enough in myself. Yeah, I didn't believe ever that I was going to be. I knew that they were going to be awarding this to somebody, but I never believed that it was going to be me receiving yeah. it ever. And the, going back to that competition in New York, I was, they, they called you on stage for that award ceremony. They called you on stage via your headshot flashing on a screen. And there was like 11 girls got called up to the stage or something. And they gave like honorable mentions and all this stuff. So I'm sitting at a table, a girl that we were sort of with in the group had already her headshot flashed. And so my whole group went, Oh my God. And they all started crapping and she went up to the stage. And so they all turned to watch her go up to the stage and like three shots later mine flashed and i was like oh and i stood up and everybody at my table went oh yours flashed like no one else saw it because they were watching the other girl <laughs> and i was like yeah I'm like okay and i so i walked up on stage and then i'm standing there and they passed out all the honorable mentions which is what i was assuming going up there that i was going to like oh that's cute i'm oh, going to get the were little you honorable mention that it didn't really flash? they passed up all of the honorable mentions and i'm still standing there and there's like three girls left and i was like Oh my God. Or there was four girls left, whatever it was. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I'm not supposed to be here. Like there was this immediate sense of like, no one else saw my picture. Everyone was shocked when I stood up. I'm not supposed to be up here. And I was like, how do I get off? How do I get off? And then I ended up getting first runner up, but I, I literally was almost in tears. I was like, so embarrassed I'm like that feeling is like so so deep ingrained in me right now I can see it in you right
1: now as you're telling me the story
0: I was so embarrassed and I really genuinely thought I had made a giant mistake and and I remember getting up on the stage I remember standing on the stage looking down the thing being like okay this is exciting and I looked down at the table of like the director of our group of people that was there together and she went oh like she looked up and went, oh, and I was like, she doesn't know I'm supposed to be up here. Oh my God. I was like, no one knows. No one thinks I'm supposed to be up here. <laughs> and it, and then it turned out I came in like second place. And I, I never thought that of, of myself. A, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'll play along. But then I was like, oh no, this is not good. And I think without those accolades in some way, I think we all as actors in general I think we always need that. We always need that like hey you're doing great. Yeah. And because we're so we're so wrapped up and I don't think it's it's a selfish thing either or like a center of attention thing. I think it's more that we get so we are so internalized and we're so wrapped up in in our work and what we're trying to like trying to get out it's like when somebody says to you, like, why are you mad? And you're like, I'm not mad. And they're like, well, why, that, why are you making that face? You're like, I didn't realize I was making a face. It's it's in that same vein of like, was I making the face okay? Like, am yeah, I, yeah. Am I, can, you, can you tell how I'm feeling right now? Yeah. Is, it, is it coming out the right way? And I think we always need that sort of like, validation. that was great. You're doing External good. And there's, there has to be yeah. because we're trying so hard and we're so like this raw open nerve of Work and 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 emotions and and everything and being so vulnerable that without it, without that, just even a simple, like, you're doing great, we can crumble. Yeah. And in the grander scheme of things, when you get a little bit of an accolade, it's like, okay, good. I'm okay. I am supposed to be I'm up semi, here. <laughs> I'm semi on the right path. Yeah. Semi. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is going to be long term, but right. at least I was supposed to be up here. Perfect. So,
1: so you do that. You finish that program. You... Uh, and and I, I kind of, I mean, because I, I, I want to get to some stuff later on. Um, I, I also, th- it sounds like the program was good for you. I it mean, was. It was you-
0: uh, Meisner-based technique, and then a lot of the. Then into our second year, it was a lot of applying those that ingrained technique into working for the camera specifically. Yeah. Which I still use a lot of those. Um. A lot of that stuff.
1: And what about the people that you went through that program with? Are you still tight with them? Are they still, or no, nobody from them? There's
0: some people that I still talk to and people that I still keep in touch with on, yeah. you know, especially social media and Facebook and stuff. But
1: not like, um, a, not like a crew of people that you guys are. No, kind of because stuck a lot
0: get. of people, unfortunately, that type of school became something that was more, it was difficult to weed out who wants to be on television and be famous and who wants to genuinely learn how to become an actor for camera. Yeah. Um, and I think there was, there, was, there was a genuine sense of people who really respected the craft of it and really wanted to do that. But then there was a much larger group of people who were coming out of high school or whatever it was. And I had also come in from two years of college. I was a little bit older going yeah. to the program. Most people were coming right out of high school, moving to the big city and going to be famous by the end of it. Yeah. And I think I had a different head on my shoulders about it just because simply because I was a little bit older. I had gone through theater and I wasn't, I was not genuinely not looking for stardom from this program at all.
1: Right.
0: I was looking for technique. I was looking for craft. I was looking to learn how to apply everything I learned about theater in those two years to how do I do it for camera? Because- I also knew going through a theater program that theater wasn't going to sustain an income and a life long-term either. There was like, you at least have to go and learn how to like audition for a commercial. Right. Like at least.
1: (laughs) So, so how, first of all, uh, there are just ingrained because I know this business and I know the ins and outs of day to day. There it's filled with no's. So uh, you know, it's called ten thousand no's and sometimes I get to the end of these interviews and I'm like, I didn't really ask about the no's, you know. <laughs> or so you're like,
0: I, you've had no's. I, I,
1: I know and I assume, but listeners may that are not actors may not know this that it that's fraught with no's and fraught with defeats along the way. But were there anything you know, were there any moments? Like, uh, you know, maybe just after getting out of school, it sounds like school went well, but like, were were there moments where you were really hit, knocked down things that you thought like, Oh, you, you know, just gut-wrenching kind of like, did you, did you work, did you get paid to act for a while? Did, was it immediately after school or was it a long, how, if you had to. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: how, many, how many,
1: how many, months, years, whatever. I mean, for me, it was like seven years really before. Oh God, it, yeah. You know, something I, like.
0: It was, it was immediately a giant wake up call. And I think it was like the downside to getting accolades and the downside to doing really well through school. Like, cool now, now what? And I, I was going to go to college to finish my degree. I felt my, my mom was like, well, maybe finish your degree. And like, there was always that, you know, always your mom chirping in your ear. My, both of my parents just saying like, have a fallback plan, which I thought sounded good for a little bit. And then I was like, no, I don't want one. I don't want a fallback plan because if I have a fallback, I'm going to fall back on it. And I knew that enough about myself to just not. I was like, nope, I'm going to be an actor. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of school. I'm going to start auditioning. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get this done. I'm in New York City. I'm out of school. I'm ready to go. Here I am.
1: Did you have an agent right away? Nope. Nope. Same. So backstage, was that Yes. Your, that's how you got so-, so
0: here was the other vicious cycle. And you understand this too, because you bartended and worked in the city for a long time. I was waiting tables and bartending in New York. And making a shitload of money, like working a lunch, working like a four hour lunch. I was like $200 in cash in my pocket at the time was like, that's a lot of money. We don't have to
1: go into it, but where are we working? I'm just curious.
0: I worked, I worked at Outback Steakhouse. I opened the first Outback Steakhouse in Manhattan. And then I, I worked, opened the
1: first California pizza kitchen in
0: Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and then I worked for the Bryant Park Girl.
1: Oh yeah, a great spot. Okay.
0: Great spot. I love it there. And, and we don't still, have to go
1: through the whole accolades of your restaurant tour, <laughs> you know, business, but I just curious. And, and
0: it, I and I then I worked for a place called Sapa and uh, followed that chef. Her name was Patricia Yo. I followed her over to her. The other place was the Monkey Bar, and I worked there for a little while too. Okay. Um,
1: so sorry, I took you off track. I so just, I was
0: working at really great spots though right. in the city, and I was making a lot of money, um, just waiting tables, and it was it was easy. I was good at waiting tables and it was something I could control. And it was something that by the end of a shift, I had a handful of cash and it was like, okay, I feel great. Validation. (laughs) And so looking through backstage and doing all this stuff, I was like, oh, okay. Cattle call, audition, cattle call, audition, cattle call, audition, like all these different things that was like, I can go audition for this and take, uh, take my shift off, like trade it out with somebody, whatever it is, lose a shift, lose $200. Right to go audition for something that I'm probably not going to get. This right. was how I philosophized it on my own head. I'm with you, sister. <laughs> this is like, and what? even if I do get it, I'm going to get paid $200 for like a week's worth of work. I,
1: I, yeah. I've tried to explain that. Bartending, I would make $400 bucks a night cash. Cash. Right? Easy. I would go do, I, I mean, and it wasn't, and most of the theater I did was free black box theater. I wasn't getting right. paid anything. But the few times when I did... Uh, off Broadway, legitimate Off Broadway theater. I think the equity pay was was uh, two hundred and forty two dollars a week or something. Right. So you're giving up four hundred bucks a night, and you have three or four of those shifts to go to go do two hundred bucks a week. But you have to, and that's what but you, you can't have to work. You have to. You prioritize, can't work otherwise. while you
0: do the thing. And yeah. like, yeah. So. I couldn't not. Prior- I couldn't prioritize. I couldn't separate those things. Yeah. It was like pay my rent, pay my bills, eat some food. Or do this thing that I came here to do. Yeah. And I didn't know how to sort that out. And I didn't. And I think the, the accolades had come, not that they went to my head, but I think I sort of expected a different outcome. Graduating school. I think I sort of it was like, okay, here I am. Yeah. No, no one, anybody, nothing. Oh, maybe. Okay. Let me get new headshots or something. I don't know. Right. Like what, what, what else do I need to do? I had no idea, no idea whatsoever how to run my own business of being an actor. I had no idea how to like promote myself, how to how to do I knew how to do a mailing. Fine. Explain it's a, that because so put-
1: I've, I've talked about it, you know, in like I had somebody interview me here and I kind of talked about the backstage thing. I want you to explain it to listeners because I don't think anybody realizes it. Explain what I'm saying when I say backstage. Backstage is a magazine, backstage now, magazine it's a, newspaper. but now it's a newspaper, but now it's a website. I get you know, it's just, I don't know if they still have the physical. I don't um, know if they. I'm not go sure. Or not yet. But anyway, I know my version of it. But you describe there's, to people what that means, so they realize what it's like.
0: <laughs> there's there's a magazine backstage that would come out, and you could every week every week, and you could pick it up and newsstands all over the city, and it would have breakdowns, meaning like you know just little little, almost like classified ads <laughs> in the back of it for. Auditions for
1: mostly terrible auditions. Mostly
0: terrible. I mean, these were student films, student films, films,
1: theater. No, no, no. no
0: Universal Studios is not putting. You know, like, hey, come on out for this audition. Um, It was all. You know, we might pay you or no pay all these things. It was wonderful when the website came out because you could actually like filter through everything. Yeah. You could actually say, no, 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 I'm not doing the no-pay. I was out the of no it pay. by the
1: time the website came it out. It was like, I don't was... show
0: me the no-paid ones and don't show me this and, and whatever else. But yeah, non-union stuff um, it, for women too, for girls at the time, it was just like, you know- some nudity required, or <laughs> like it's yeah. like you're not going to pay me. I don't even know what, what who you are or what you're going to do with this. And it was just such a weird. It's actually potentially through.
1: so scary. If I were thinking yeah. of my daughter doing this, I'm like, it's, it's crazy. It's like come, come to our like, apartment and an audition, audition for this thing. The, right. You know, like nothing in was like vetted Heights to do this. Yeah, it was totally crazy. It was just you, you could
0: pay it. to put up your ad in backstage and have people come audition for your your little film or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. And it's look, I, I don't want to downplay backstage. It's really still a wonderful resource. Oh, it was,
1: that's the whole way I got my start. Yeah,
0: it's how most people do. Yeah,
1: for me, I mean, what was like, I got a movie in Boston It was non-union when I got it and then they got Frank Vincent, it turned union, it ended up going to film festivals, it was written up in variety. That was a big break for me that came from something that, From
0: backstage. Yeah, because yeah. you
1: had to do it. That was your only option. For me, at least, it was the only option. Without an agent. I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't get it, you know.
0: Or a manager or right. anybody else trying right. to to pitch you for auditions, for legitimate auditions, for television or whatever right. else. Yeah, there's there's no other option. Um, it's the, the only and the best option. There was one other one. I forget what it was called at the time. And it, that kind of phased out. There was another option years ago. But yeah. anyway. Um, and in fact- even after I moved to Los, we're kind of skipping ahead, but I moved yeah, no, to Los no, Angeles ahead, and yeah. I moved to LA. I I did get an agent. I started booking work. I was in the city for seven years, just basically just waiting tables and dicking around. And like an agent, this goes against all the no's, but an agent did walk into my bar and say, you remind me of a very young Michelle Pfeiffer. And do you have a headshot on you? And... And they like, turned out to not be a total scumbag. He what? He was not a total scumbag at all. He was he was a legit agent. Who we, there was like rumors that he was an agent, but he wouldn't tell anybody. But he would always just come in and have a martini at lunchtime and then go back to his job. And um, he was with Karen Goldberg at uh, in the city at the time. They did a lot of theater stuff and they did some soap opera stuff before the soap operas all left New York. And he said, "Do you have a headshot on you?" And I said, "I do." Mind you, this was the very first day I had ever started carrying my headshots on me. This was two or three years out of school. And like, I finally was like, I'm going to do something more productive for myself as an actor. And I carried, I put my headshots and my resumes together. I'm like, I'm going to go, I don't know, pound the pavement and drop these off to somebody. That never happened because literally that morning I was in the restaurant before, way before my shift. He was at the bar and he turned around and he said, you're an actress, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you have a headshot on you? And I said, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And it was literally the most serendipitous moment in the world. And I handed it to him and he said, okay. He said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to probably give you a call. And we talked for a little while, whatever. I ended up booking a little role on As the World Turns and some little things. We we started a small theater company within the, the restaurant I worked at and did some plays and stuff. It was like enough to like, be doing something, but nothing progressive. Nothing was, like, really coming of much of anything. Yeah. Um, Until we did one of our little, like, showcases. It was really great play, and uh, a very young filmmaker from Los Angeles came out, was doing his first feature film, and uh, he eventually... He came to see the play and he was like, oh my God, you're amazing. I want to talk to you. Came like stormed the stage at the end of it was like, you're so good. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, we're making a movie. And he was like 21. He's like, I'm making a movie. And I was like, okay, cool. And so he found me afterwards. We had a little like social hour thing and we talked and he ended up casting me in his first film, came back to New York. We shot the, shot the movie and it was uh his name is Lee Krieger. And I know he, Lee. I know you do. <laughs> he gave me my first movie. Seriously? Yeah.
1: Lee is so talented. He's wonderful he's got and a show he's now killing everything. Prodigal Son, but Prodigal
0: he's done the pilots for like every major well, so cir- now, Riverdale Sabrina nobody, nobody really Prodigal Son. Is, I'm going to
1: get yelled at for saying this cuz people are like I don't care. But to bring it all full circle, that movie that Kevin, your husband, loves that I was in, Sublime and Beautiful. Yeah. That was Blake Robbins wrote and directed that. Yeah. Okay. Blake introduced me to Lee years ago. He took me to the vicious kind that that Adam Scott is in, which I loved. And then Blake and Lee and I would always go get- lunch every like a yeah. couple of months or whatever. And, and now we haven't seen each other in a little while, but he's super talented. He oh,
0: gave me my first opportunity when he was, so he was awesome. 21 and he was making his very first, he was making December ends. He was making his first feature in New York and, um, he's super talented. And he's great incredible. Guy. He's amazing. And he's the reason I moved to Los Angeles. He was like, that's a for good years, reason to move
1: to Los Angeles. For he
0: years. Know. He was like, you need to come out here. You need to move to Los Angeles, I'm telling you, what you have to get out is? of New York. This is two thousand ten. Gosh, this was like two thousand three.
1: When he said that. But you didn't I move think, out till yeah. two thousand ten, right? Right. So, you, so yeah. you,
0: you I, I just like <laughs> wishy washed around for like years. I was like, okay. I didn't know anybody else out there. I didn't know anybody. But else you did
1: that life. film with him in two thousand three?
0: Yeah, I believe it was two thousand three. In L.A. or in New York? In New York, we shot in New York and Rhode Island, and then we actually flew out to L.A. to do some reshoots for it.
1: And so, um, and so, let's go because we're we're actually almost uh, approaching an hour, and I want to kind of. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna. It's gonna be like a four hour interview. So, so in depth. Um, uh, so you you do that with him. That's a good experience, I assume. A oh, it was amazing. Experience. It was great. Yeah.
0: It was great. And it was my first time on a on a film set too. And what's the aftermath of that when you're then back in New
1: York between that and when you eventually moved to L.A.? A lot of. Did you start to work? F- no. No. But no,
0: because it, like everything sort of fell in my lap. Like this, the agent came in and was like, do you have a headshot? Sure, I do. Here you go. Cool. Here's as the world turns. Okay, great. That was fun. What's next? Like, it was just waiting for the thing to come. Yeah. And then I got in this really awful habit of waiting for something to happen. Then friends of mine were like, hey, we want to start a theater company. Want to be in it? I was like, yeah, sure. Here's the the role you're going to go do, and here's the person you're going to do it with. Great. And then that person became my best friend, and the role was incredible, and the play was like, it was just like lightning in a bottle. It was like this perfect scenario where the show was like really wonderful. It was a one-act play. And somebody else had, <laughs> was doing their work and, and invited Lee to come yeah. and see her in the showcase. Well, then
1: he saw you, he saw me. Yeah.
0: And so he came and was like, oh my God. And then was like, come and do this movie and was going to give me this very small role. And then a girl couldn't make it to the, to the reading of the script and so he said, actually, I want you to, when then, so I read the role. And then you got the And then role. he called me after and was like, actually, we're having a difficult time working out her schedule. Would you want to play this role anyway? And so I could play, it was still a small role, but it yeah. was still, it was bigger than the other one had been. And so all yeah. of these things just continued to sort of just come together. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and like still expecting the world to just come to me. Yeah. Not knowing that, like, okay, we're giving you these little things. Right.
1: But but now go thing. do something but with here's it. here's the thing, and, and this is something that we talked about over the weekend. Because you are a grinder and a hustler in your work. Now you but you weren't back then even within the work. Maybe within not the work. maybe not with like quote networking, but with the actual work. Did you feel like you were hustling and oh, like yeah. putting your Yeah? So I was too 100%. and this is and, and that's Percent. so for, for people listening, we had a conversation over the weekend about teaching our kids, for example, if they wanted to go into the arts, how do you teach them about business so that they can handle their business better because it is also a business. So you and I, I don't know if it's like that. Um, did you grow up Catholic?
0: Episcopalian. I don't,
1: Episcopalian. Episcopalian. As Robin, I don't Robin, Robin Williams know it is used to say,
0: Catholic light. Catholic
1: light. <laughs> but I don't know what it is in the, in the upbringing, but I had a, a grinder mentality, but not necessarily a in the same way, like, I'll be like, I'm working, I'm working, but I'm right here. You come get me. And, and it's not, it's really not smart. No it's one. smart for the work. It's not necessarily smart for the business. And 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 so you, it's all worked out very well for you at this point. But yeah, maybe it would have been a little quicker if you also were doing that side of things. Yeah,
0: I had no idea what to yeah. do. I didn't know how to push push on anybody to pay attention. Yeah. Um, but people were paying attention. And so it became this difficult thing where I didn't, I didn't know what to do because it was already happening. And then I would just sit back and go, well, oh, okay, yeah. well that's com- that came. So something so, else is bound so to So I'm
1: going to skip you forward then. 2010, you make this decision to go to LA. Why? why did you, Why?
0: Uh, loaded story but I had ended up moving back to Rhode Island I lost my best friend uh to suicide we lived together and he had um he had jumped from the roof of our building
1: oh my god while we
0: were living together and he in in New York in New York how old was he uh 27 I was 25 I'm so sorry and no, it's I, a friend I from, am too. From acting school, or this was the the guy that I had done the play with that we had oh seen the performance, and it became we just like it was like I said it was like lightning in a bottle, and it was like instantaneous, and we were Whew. so connected in, in so many ways, and it's so beyond this platform I'm telling the story, but that happened, um, and it it very much rolled my life into a, a tailspin and. It was, it it stopped everything, everything in my life. And it took me a year, but I eventually just went home to Rhode Island. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in New York anymore. It was too much. And I couldn't, I, I was so stagnant in everything. Never mind my career, but just my emotions, my relationships, my, everything in my life was just just this weird blur for that year after he had passed away. And I went home to just sort of like collect myself. And I needed, I knew I needed to just, I couldn't be in New York anymore. So it was like, okay, now it's time to go to LA. Now it's time. But I don't have the money to get there. I don't have the means to get there. I don't know anybody there. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was working in a restaurant in Rhode Island (laughs) <laughs> and then that restaurant closed. Like one of those overnight closing situations <laughs> where yeah. I was like, come and get your last paycheck because we're not open today. Right. And I was like, but I was supposed to work today and I kind of needed to work today. And that doesn't work for me. And I didn't know what to do. And, um, my manager, when I went to go get my last check, I said, she said, I'm so sorry that this happened. It was, it was a corporate restaurant. And she was like, there's out of our control. And, She kind of jokingly said to me, if you still want to move to LA, because I had mentioned it while I was there, if you still move to LA, we do have another location out there. You could always, I can put in a good word for you, like, ha, ha, ha. And I went home and I went, okay. And I called her and I said, how quickly can you put in a word for me in LA? And she's like, I can email them right now. And she did. And within three weeks, I, my grandmother gave me a $3,000 loan. I packed two suitcases and three weeks later I moved to LA like that. Like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm taking this opportunity that's been handed to me. I'm going to go, Oh, okay. I get it now. And I'm going, and I still didn't guarantee to have the job. I just knew she was putting in a word for me. I didn't, I still had to go and like apply and like have meetings with the people at that version of the restaurant. And I didn't know who, I didn't know who I was living with in Los Angeles until I think of less than a week before I got to LA. Somebody in passing had mentioned that they had a sister who lived there who was looking for a roommate or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll live with her. I didn't know I had no idea. I was like, I was like, I'll get a hotel for like five days until I can find an apartment. Like, I don't care. I just had to go. And I had a friend in San Diego who helped me, he came up and picked me up and, um, delivered me to that new apartment and, and had my car shipped out and, um, yeah. And I just sort of like winged it and figured it out and said, this is the only way I have to fully remove myself from my comfort zone and I have to go and push myself forward I'm 3000 miles away from everything I know and love and is familiar and comfortable. And if I'm going to do this, I I have to just do this and throw myself into it. And I went to, I went to go sign up to be um, an extra and just got new headshots done with this girl that I had met who was a photographer. And I was like, okay, great, we'll do headshots and perfect. And it was like every opportunity I decided finally to just go, okay, great. Okay, perfect. I'm doing this. I got that job. I started making money right away, which then I found out in LA is like crazy difficult to like find a job, (laughs) especially like waiting tables or bartending. It was like, how did you get a job so fast? And I realized if I hadn't jumped on that opportunity, I probably would have gone out and had a really hard time of it. It was like learning how to say, there it is. There's my opportunity. I'm going to go for it, even though it's scary. And even though it's, difficult. It was, I had to, I had to like, I couldn't just sit there and go, ah, well, it'll happen eventually. I don't know when I'm going to go to LA, but I will. And I was saying that for so many years. And finally I just did it. I took the leap and, and made it happen. And within, and, and it was like, it was trying to train myself to say yes to everything instead of saying no all the time, because that, I realized my nose were coming from myself. Your protection. It was like, no, I don't, you know, it was, I don't know how to do that and and I don't need to go do this because this is coming anyway. And, but, and even though things, it seems, it seems as though things were falling in my lap and they were. Not enough. I wasn't doing anything with it and it wasn't enough at all. It wasn't, I wasn't being paid for any of this stuff. I wasn't, um, nothing else was, was making forward momentum at all because it's, that's on you. And I didn't realize that and i was i was not moving forward i was just sitting there waiting for more things to come to me well yeah they would eventually but how long and how far between and what kind of yeah what kind of opportunity is really going to like just roll your way and i finally was like okay i'm going to like take this by the horns and go do it and i i somebody invited me to come to a workshop in North Hollywood. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't know this person and I didn't know yeah. anything about this workshop. And I didn't have the money to go to the workshop, but I was like, okay, but I'll do it. Cause I'm in LA and I have to do this stuff. And this is the things that I didn't do in New York. Although
1: you did do it when you went to college and you were like theater, I'm going there. Right. So all your good moments that were kind of, that you actually did do this, but it's interesting. You almost- There were, and relearn- I did it in high school when yeah. I was like,
0: I'm going to do that monologue and yeah, I'm going exactly. to bring my entire class to the exactly. auditorium. And, but then I just sort of, I don't know, I started second guessing myself in a lot of ways, I think. I think you see other people's possibly like failures around you, or you see how certain people look behaving a certain way. And you go, oh God, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to be like that person. I don't want to be that like, oh yeah, look at me. And you just sort of go. You and like it made right. me back off. So it made when you me went out there, did you person. find
1: other like cohorts, like people that were positive examples of like, oh, I do want to be like that, or did you not? Like, did you find your crew? Did you find I was like what's you know? I've talked to you about Messina this weekend. Like, I, we met my first summer in the city. I met him. And, mm-hmm. and, and that turned into a group of us that did started a theater company. And then we were, you know, and then we both moved to LA at the same time. And that is so valuable to me is that long friendship of someone who's like, you know, a warrior toward it with me. Cause when I'm down, I'm looking at him. He's totally inspiring. It, it helps me. Did you find that in
0: LA? Did you find, um, you know, I no. In fact, I found it not to be like a total bummer, but I had found that in New York and it was with, with Joe who, who I lost. Oh. And so I, f- I found it, I had it, it was this person who it. like lit this fire and, and yeah. I had an incredible connection with and I lost it and I lost, I lost a lot of that bubble and the, that crew because yeah. I had to separate myself from it because yeah. it was, it was too painful to be around. So
1: it. what was the new thing that it was replaced with in LA? It sounds like total fire, total, like, this is what I'm doing. How quickly did things start happening for you? Did it just start crackling immediately yeah. when you immediately,
0: went to the- it? Immediately. Well, it, because I was progressing it, Yeah, I went to this, this, that workshop, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't have the money, but I'm going to give you the $20 from somewhere. Here you go. I I literally got there with like $3,000 in my pocket and that was all I had. Yeah. And like, I, which was, which was half spent by the time I arrived. It was like rent, ship my car, do all this stuff. I was like, I don't even remember how much I didn't have left. Right. And, um, I, so I went to this workshop and the woman after the workshop was like, I'm going to, I'm becoming an agent. And I want to rep you. Do you have an agent yet? And I was like, no, <laughs> but this is great. And here it is again, fell in my lap, right? Yeah. Like, but I didn't know how to do my due diligence. I didn't know any better. I'm going, I just moved to LA and now this woman wants to rep me. That sounds amazing.
1: Not so amazing.
0: No, because she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. And, and she had this little agency sort of thing together And the opportunities that were coming were, were very, it was like, I could have looked in backstage and found them for myself. And I was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? However, some fluke freak of nature thing happened. And I, within the first, uh, I think it was like nine or 10 months of being in LA through her, I got an audition for John Carter. For the giant, the biggest huge. movie flop <laughs> yeah. in history.
1: Well, that, I saw that like on your IMDb because I didn't <laughs> know that from knowing you. And then in this, I was like, oh, John Carter, that was huge. Well, i we got to ask her about that. And then I was like, oh, I do remember it was a huge flop. So that it was officially,
0: been, it just came out the other day, actually, in Hollywood Reporter. It is the biggest flop in movie history.
1: But going in, when you were shooting, so you and you played... His Sarah wife, Carter? So yeah, his wife. Okay,
0: and it was a reshoot that they were doing. Um, that they realized they wanted a flashback of this relationship of him imagining his wife before he lost her on Earth. And um, Andrew Stanton was the director, and he had he had said, "No, I I want this. Like, I want to see her physically. I had like two lines. I'm on screen for like seven seconds, but I for somehow some way." she got this audition for me. And I think it was more of like a, a bit of an open call yeah. and they were looking for something very specific because they had shot something with a girl in the UK. It didn't work. No, that she was like, she was like a body on the ground. Yeah. No, no spoiler alert. <laughs> and she was like blonde. So they just kind of needed this specific thing to sort of match that. So they were looking, they were like blanket, blanketing Los Angeles to find this person. And I got this audition. I had no idea what it was for. I had no concept of what this movie was going to be. I thought it was a Disney show. I had no idea. Yeah. All I knew was I was going to get to walk on the Disney lot for the first time, for the, yeah. the a studio lot for the first time ever.
1: By the way, people are listening. They don't believe you. I could tell you the same thing. I had a job in the beginning where I was like, I had. I look back and I'm like, I had no idea it was going to be what it was. I thought I was going in for like, backs like an independent. Yeah, student film or something. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I th- it was like it, John it, it, Carter of happen. Mars,
0: and I thought it was yeah. like this like Disney Channel yeah. like cutesy little show or something. Yeah. I didn't know. Totally. And I all I knew it was like a dream sequence, and it was like a period thing or whatever else. And so I I hundred percent dove in. I like went balls to the wall with my like one line that I had to say. It's <laughs> like John, sleepyhead. <laughs> And I, I analyzed it. I was like, it's a dream sequence. So I'm going to talk dreamy and I'm going to do all this thing that I'd like this just whole thing. And I, I did all of my work. I knew who I was talking to, like all of your, all of your like moments before and all these things for yeah. like one line. It yeah. was like too much work to do, but it worked. And I ended up booking it. And, um, I remember at the time. She was like, Amanda, this is going to change everything.
1: Yeah.
0: She literally said this to me over the phone when I booked the role. She was like, oh, my God, do you remember? And I forgot about the audition. I had forgotten about it because it had been like a month or something that I had auditioned. And I forgot about it. She called me up. She said, they want you for it. And I said, or I was pinned for it, which is like the worst yeah. thing you can hear as an actor. That means that they they really want you. but But they're not necessarily going to cast you. Yeah. And so she said, "But you know, more than likely, it will be you, and this is going to change everything." And so I got Taft Hartleyed for that too. I wasn't SAG, she, which at all. means
1: that she got into SAG. <laughs> she, it made you eligible
0: for SAG that I had to, Union. you know, eligible to pay to, to, pay, to get pay. into SAG. How lucky <laughs> to pay like double the money that I was making on that one shoot to enter SAG, but. Um, I got to, yeah, I got, which is, it's a huge thing. I was like, but I was one, you can also do it by getting extra vouchers. Like if you earn extra on a TV show, you can get those vouchers. I was like one voucher away from being able to join the And then then you got it. And then I guess after I lead it anyway. And so I got to go on this movie set and do all this stuff and kiss Taylor Kitsch and like all this stuff was happening. And it was like, it was literally a six hour day on set. And then I came home. And I sat down on my couch and I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get to do that again. <laughs> it, it like was this overwhelming weight on me that was like, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. Oh my, nothing is ever going to be like that again. I can't believe that just happened. And now I have to go wait tables tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and it didn't change anything. A year went by and I'd got no auditions yeah. and I still hadn't joined SAG because I didn't have the money to do it yet. Um, the movie didn't come out. It took a very long time to come out. Even when it did come out, my agent, I was like, okay, great. The movie's coming out. We should, like, tell people that, I, yeah, I have, I'm in it for, like, seven seconds, but still, I'm in it, and yeah. it's a kind of a big deal, and it's this huge movie, and it's going to be really exciting. And she was like, oh, we're so excited for you. We can't wait. And there was no progression on on her end either. Because, and that's the thing. As an actor, you you only have so much control you still have to depend on your agent to do certain aspects and to, to help pitch you and to like yeah. get you in the door for certain places. And I didn't understand that either. And I, that her, the lack of her reach or the lack of, of her connections affected what I was able to do or not do. Right. And I was like, okay, but, but you're going to do this for me. Right. And it was like, she was just like, great, we're excited for you. And Imagine. that was it. And then I found out she ended up, she ended up just sort of dumping the agency to like an assistant agent and she moved away. And it was like, okay, this is, that was when I finally was like, this is not what I wanted it to be. And so I had to put together some footage and I got what I could from like the trailer for John Carter had come out on YouTube. And i like, and in the Japanese trailer, (laughs) there was a clip of me. And so I pulled that from the Japanese trailer <laughs> from like YouTube. I ripped it off of YouTube <laughs> and I put that at the front of like whatever footage I had from this or that or a little. Like I did a 48 hour film festival in Rhode Island, which is where you literally write and make a movie in 48 hours. that I was like, I'll do this thing. And I, I, it was like crappy footage, but I had that and I was like, just whatever I had, I like shoved it all together and I made this reel of my work which was nothing at the time. And I, I hit save and a friend of mine reached out and said, Hey, Amanda, i I just saw the trailer for John Carter and I'm so excited. Like, this is great. This movie's coming out. So this is really cool. Um, my agent wants to meet with you. If you're interested, um, we're working on this film that we want to do, put together. And I'm, I was thinking of you for it anyway, but then my agent wants to meet with you. And I was like, perfect. Can I send her my reel? (laughs) Like I just finished it. And then I sent it and I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like this is an actual, like an actual agent who like really does work for people. Yeah. And I just sent this footage to her like, oh no. And, uh, she was interested enough to, to meet with me. And then I did a monologue for her and then I signed with her and did a couple of guest star roles. And still it was like,
1: Yeah. It's still so slow and it's still, and, and, and And I, every
0: time you do it, you're like, every time I did it, I was like, yes, I booked another role. And then I was like, uh, Oh God. But that means I go to, I have to take a week off of work. Yeah. I'm going to go and do this and get, yeah. It'll like balance out pay wise, but like, then I still have to go back to Waiting Table. Like, this isn't going to take me out of... Right, so, from so then, let's,
1: then let's go to... So you do that, you do a couple things. When does If Loving You Is Wrong come about? And when does, like, Bleed For This come about? Because I, I have not seen Bleed For This, but I know it's about Vinny Paz, and I, knew, I met him because that first... Movie I was yeah. telling you about out of backstage. Yes. He was it he played himself in it at some Shut point. So I up. Him.
0: oh my God. Yeah.
1: And so and I've seen trailers for Well, Bleed and for I this knew Vinny course. growing up
0: because I was from Rhode Island and my dad was a huge boxing fan. I used to watch boxing with him all the time. And like
1: Did you have a, was it
0: a what was your role in that? Were you In Bleep for This? Yeah. I was Vinny's sister. you sister. Yeah. That's Yeah. It was it was it, that was like yeah, that was an insane pattern of events. That, I feel that, like I'm gonna have to have you back on No,
1: because we, we went into such minutiae that I
0: we can edit all that out. I,
1: no, no, I don't wanna edit it out because <laughs> this is what this is what people and this is kind of what I'm up against with, with this show is like, well, first of all, I will have be going leaving in a half hour. So we'll we'll have to compress, but I think what happens sometimes why I'm I'm so glad that we've gone into all of this is because the whole show is about, you know, encouraging people to keep going on and hearing all this, like how slow it was and knowing where you are now with what you just did on City on a Hill. It's so great for people to hear this, like you putting together that reel and like being embarrassed about it and sending it. I, I have so many versions of that story for myself. And and I don't think people quite understand it, you know? And, and I think people yeah. in other industries that I sit down with have the same thing, a different version of that same story that we're telling. Yeah. And so I, I'm glad that we've gone into it. And yet I also want to get into things like bleed for this. I want to get into if loving you is wrong and I want to get into city on a hill.
0: Because if loving you is, go ahead.
1: No, just because I want to get to some of the good side of things as As well, like some of the actual work experience, and then I'll end up having you back on <laughs> because
0: I want to <laughs> really go into some of that
1: stuff, and I don't know if we will have time right now, but the so so timeline after you meet this agent, yeah, how what's the next thing that comes? Is it bleed for this?
0: Is it? I met this agent i'm I, I auditioned for her. She signed me on and pretty quickly she, she knew how to plug John Carter. She started calling people and being like, do you want to meet the girl who played Sarah Carter? Who, who worked opposite Taylor Kitsch, who played John Carter's wife and people hadn't gone to see the movie. It was like, it was almost like a blessing that it was a flop because it was like, and I, and they credited me as Sarah Carter I'm on screen for seven seconds, but I still have a full character name, which matches the, well, wait, the here's, title here's name. crazy.
1: And it worked even on me as I'm like, I, I, I know you and I didn't. And then I'm like, I look in IMDb and I'm like, Sarah. Oh, she played Sarah Carter. Wow. I got to ask her about that because it does sound like you're, I
0: know it's called John Carter. You're Sarah Carter. And it right. does. The optics on it are good. Are great. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, sure. We'll see her. And it was just enough to get me in the door. And I knew that now that this mattered in a very different way. And I started getting myself really ready to get in that door and like, okay, here it is. I can, now I can do what I've always been able to do, but now I get to do it for the right people. And I, I booked like three guest stars, like boom, 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 like right in a row within the month or two after I had signed with this new um, agent. And... Like I said, it was like this weird, like, okay, great. I booked that one, but I still have to go bartend tomorrow. Like it was, there was this super high and then super low of like, but my life doesn't change. This doesn't do anything for me except for this slow progression. And it was like, okay, that's, this is what I'm signing up for. And I have to like, this is the gear that I have to be in. Like this slow uphill grind. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And it was embracing that a little bit and being like, okay, it's this one thing at a time, just keep going, keep going, keep plugging, keep pushing. And eventually I had gotten, uh, this was within another year or so. I had gotten an audition for a series regular. It was my very first series regular audition during pilot season. And it was for a sitcom. I won't name the sitcom just to save face because I'm going to tell a poor story now. This was my ultimate no moment. This was my turning point moment. I got this audition. It was to play a series regular in a new uh, sitcom. And I was so excited. And I was working uh, at Master's Steakhouse in Beverly Hills until incredibly late at night. And I came home. And it was like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. I had the audition the next day. I had three scenes to memorize. I had worked on it a little bit that afternoon. I had to go to work, came back. And I was up until I think it was like 2.30 going over these three scenes. I can memorize stuff very quickly. But I was trying to like really work on this because it was sitcom and there's timing things. And you really just want to like dive in. 2.30 in the morning I was up until... I had to work again the next day. I had to work at like six o'clock and my audition was at like four thirty. and I knew I was going to have to like rush all the way across Hollywood, rush all the way back, get changed, go to work. Like it was going to be a madhouse, but I was going to get this done. And I knew I had the morning to get ready and all this stuff. Show up to the audition. I sat down. I was the only person in the office to audition. There was a bunch of people. The office was full of people moving around, doing their thing. There was no sign in sheet nowhere. There was no other people there. There was a couch to sit down on, and there was a sign for the audition. So I knew I was in the right spot, and I knew, like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be, and I know it's the right time. So I sat down, and no one acknowledged me. No one even looked up from a desk. Somebody had walked out of a room or walked into another room. No one was like, oh, hi, we'll be right with you. Nothing at all. Okay, no big deal, I'm just in my head and doing my lines and whatever else. And I go, I'm I'm looking around a little bit. Finally, I had been there for probably close to 15 minutes. And the woman came out of the room where the um, camera was, we were going to record it. And she said, hey, okay, we're almost ready. Uh, Give me two more minutes. She didn't say my name. She didn't say anything. Okay. So she comes back out. She says, okay, I'm so sorry about that. Come on in. Okay. So I go in the room. I stand on the mark in front of the wall, in front of the camera. She goes behind the camera and she says, okay, great. She's barely looking at me and she's okay, great. She picks up her, uh, paper was to do her own, to read with me, read the lines back and forth with me. She says, yeah, we're going to do uh, good news. It's pick your scene day. She's like, pick whichever one of the three scenes you want to do. I was like, are you kidding me? This was like eight pages of three different scenes that I stayed up until 2.30 in the morning to memorize (laughs) we will do the first one how's that okay perfect (laughs) so all right we'll do the first scene fine so we do the first scene and she goes okay yeah that was great um yeah perfect great thank you so much for coming in and I left and I realized I don't even think she hit record on the thing Like she didn't touch a button on the thing. She just literally walked in the room. She picked up papers and she went, great, pick your scene day, whichever one you want to do. Go ahead. Whenever you're ready. And I did it. And I was like, she didn't hit the button on the thing. She didn't record that. I just sat there for like a half an hour. I'm going to be, now I'm going to be late to work. Now I'm in traffic (laughs) at five (laughs) o'clock trying to get back to my apartment, trying to get ready to go to work, all this stuff. I got home and I flipped out. And my my husband was there, Kevin, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. This is insane. I've never been so like disrespected by a group of people. It's not like no one even acknowledged my presence in that office. No one, there was no sign-in sheet. I was like, I didn't tell her my name. I didn't slate for the camera. I didn't say my name. I don't even think she hit record. I didn't write my name down anywhere. I didn't give her a headshot. I was like, I just took all that time. I was up until 2.30 in the morning, learning three scenes, working on them. And she just went, yeah, whatever, okay, blah. Okay, thanks, yeah, great, bye. I was like, this is bullshit, I'm done. I'm not gonna be treated this way. I'm not gonna put myself through all of this stuff and work and grind and do all, and to be completely just, nah, whatever. No one cares. And he said, "Look, go to work, just relax." And I'm like, "Go to work and what? Have the same experience and have people snapping at me and at, and demanding things from me and treating me the same way? What am I doing? I'm thirty some years old. What am I doing with my life? I'm. I, why am I allowing this to be this way? And I went to work. I got over it. I blew off steam a little bit. And he's I. I still, by the next day, I was like, I'm done. I said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to move back. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not putting myself through this anymore. And he was like, okay, look, we'll, we'll talk about it. We can't just move tomorrow. So we'll like, let's just, <laughs> let's just see where this goes. And I was like, fine, fair enough. But like, this, I'm going to start planning on like the exit strategy here. And I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I'm out of this. Because I'm not putting myself through that again. And, you know, this wasn't just a throwaway, a guest star audition. Not that a guest star is even a throwaway, but, like, this wasn't, this was for a series regular. It was, like, taking this so serious, and I was so excited and felt like that really meant something. And, like, I had taken a a step in that direction of my career of, like, now I'm going to get seen for this. And it was the ultimate, like, punch in the face. Like, just, you don't matter. And I, it was about two weeks later, I got an an email that um, Tyler Perry wanted me to come and read for If Loving You Is Wrong. How did he know you? I had auditioned for him uh, for his other series, Haves and Have Nots, for a recurring role. Um, He was in the room for that? He flew me to Atlanta for that. For like forty-eight hours, wow. not even thirty-six hours, I think. Which so I was so I'm feeling like okay, the, this is where I should be now. I'm progressing enough to like. I had auditioned for it in Kim Coleman's office in L.A., and then a week later, they were like, "Okay, Tyler wants to fly you to Atlanta because he couldn't come to L.A., so he just so was that like, was hey, prior
1: to, to that's this, prior to this other series experience. regular one, yeah. Okay.
0: So okay. I'm like, I just got flown to Atlanta, right? And to go and read for this recurring role, which I, I didn't get, which he, the, like the next day I had gotten the phone call of like, he really loved her, but but it was this other going girl. going in
1: another direction. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Literally. It was like, we want to win another direction yeah, with the I've character.
1: Been, I, I've, yeah.
0: So, but I was like, okay, well that was a great experience and whatever else. So I, had, I was kind of coming off of that bum out too. And then this other like, yeah. okay, now series regular though, at least, at least that recurring thing. Worked And it's like sh- the, the shift is happening. And now I'm getting seen for a series regular. And then this happened. And then two weeks later, I get Tyler Perry wants to see you again for a series regular on this new show, If Loving you Is Wrong. And I flipped out. I was like, oh, my God, Tyler wants to see me again. And my husband looked at me and went. I thought you were moving back. He goes, <laughs> you're not done. He's like, look at you. You're not done. You don't want to give up on this. And I was like. Oh shit. I don't like, I really don't. It was like immediately that fire came back and I I immediately was like, Oh my God. Like, and it wasn't just the accolade of like, Oh, he wants to see me. It was, it was the excitement of getting to audition for a series regular. It was like, it was still there. I wasn't like, Oh God, they already said no to me. So screw them. Yeah, I immediately was like, yes, here we go. Okay. This is great. And I was like, okay, fine. Fair enough. I'll fine. I don't want to leave yet. So now here's the other serendipitous part. So I have this audition. It's coming up. Um, oh no, I, I went and I auditioned. It was like a, a preliminary audition. They were just starting to feel out the workings of that show. And I I went in, I had a great audition. Uh, and then I kind of didn't hear anything. I didn't Did you go know, in an LA or they flew in you? LA.. Okay. And he had come out, I believe. He had come out to L.A. and uh, we did a, a quick audition kind of in and out kind of thing. And I didn't hear much back from it, but I didn't know at the time that it was because they were sort of still feeling things out. Right after that, I get another audition appointment from the same casting office that had treated me so awful was casting for another show. Please tell me you told them to F off. That was and they, so now the same casting office who called me in for a series regular is calling me in for a co star, oh. which is like a four stage downgrade, yeah. <laughs> basically. A one line role on this little sitcom. This is what they're calling me in for. And I t- so badly wanted to tell them to fuck off. And something switched, and I went, no. They want me back. I want to go in there. Yeah. I want to go in there and I want to, I don't want to let them win. That's not fair. Like, no, I almost gave up because of them. Screw them. They're not going to win. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to book this role is what I'm going to do. And I did. I went in and it was this, I had this like. I had a good chip on my shoulder, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I kind of went in and I didn't give a fuck. Like, I was like, I just don't care what you think of me. I don't care about this audition. I don't care about this co-star role. I don't care about any of it, but I'm still going to come in here and smile on your face and not let you get to me and have your weird little casting director power trip. I don't know what the hell just happened a month ago, but you're not going to do it to me again. And I went in, and I did it, and sure enough, they called me for a callback for the producers, which was weird because it was like a co-star, a it was yeah, like yeah. a line. But whatever. And so I went in again, I did it with the chip, same chip on my shoulder, I was just kind of like, whatever. And I didn't care. I did my thing, I left. That night, guess what, you win. They, they cast you. Great, I get to go and do this role, F- fun, cool. Tyler calls again for If Loving You Is Wrong. They want you to come and do um, a chemistry read. And it's this type of situation where he was doing this chemistry read with a bunch of actors. And if you were chosen, if you were the one that he sort of was feeling the best, you were going to be asked to stay to do a table read of the pilot script.
1: And it was the same day that you were shooting the other thing. It yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But like I was shooting for that other show for like I was on set for like a week. Yeah. It was like, it was weird because it was it was a sitcom, so there was like rehearsals happening, and then you actually shoot it in front yeah. of like a live audience and right. all this stuff. So, um, I I was on set, which when you're bartending or waitressing, and you get to say I'm going to set today, <laughs> it, yeah, you it feels a thousand percent different. And if I had to, if I had to go to this Tyler Perry audition, this chemistry read that possibly could lead to a series regular role from work from or like have my my cocktailing outfit in the car to change into on the way to work and be worried about what time I was going to leave this audition to go to my shift or whatever it was. I would, have been, I would have felt so like I didn't belong there yeah. and not owned my, my space as an actor and, and as a person who belonged in this room. Right. Regardless of having auditioned for him before and being flown to Atlanta and all these other things, I would have been like, oh, God, I'm just a waitress. Like, what am I yeah. doing here? Yeah. And instead, I was coming from set. I was coming from one set to this audition and I had this different chip on my shoulder about, I do belong here cause I'm a working actor because right now <laughs> no one needed to know it was co-star. No one That's needed good. to know it was like one line, but I was, I've been I had to work out my hours. schedule on set for this show so that right. I could be here for this audition. Right. Yeah. Like no one needed to know the details Right. and I didn't even need to know the full details, but I got to convince myself and fool myself into like, yeah. Playing this like working actor role for the week. Yeah. And so when I got to audition for him, it became this like, like I a felt, work session. For I you. felt like I belonged. Yeah. I felt like it was a real thing. and I was like, wow, if, if I hadn't gone in with the mentality that I did to that audition prior, or even if I had turned it the other way, if I had if I had told them to fuck off. And been like, no, I'm not doing this. And let them win in that respect. Let them get to me that much. I wouldn't have been working on that other show. And I wouldn't have been in that mindset to walk in there with a full confidence of like, no, this is what I do. And this is who I am. And this is what I'm made for. And this is where I belong. And sure enough, I got asked to stay to do the table read. And then the table read was like... Just because y'all are here doesn't mean that, that you you're cast yeah. for sure. We're just feeling things out. How long of a time
1: period before you were cast?
0: Um, I think it was within the next two weeks. Okay. We knew that it would that we were getting an offer and and all this stuff was going to go through. I think it was it was still agony and it was still way too long, but it was I think within two weeks I knew that um, that the offer was coming. At anyway, well, I want
1: to I want to hyperspace to the the one thing I really want to talk to you about. That job, If Loving You Is Wrong, which you did how many, 59 episodes or something like that? Or, That's no, what it more. says on
0: IMDb, but it's, the, yeah, they haven't entered in all of them yet. It was, uh, it was close to 100, 100, I think, if not 100. Okay,
1: so the main thing I want to get to, because then I want to get to City on a Hill and- I have to get to Manhattan.
0: (laughs) 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 Apologies to everybody
1: listening. We will have Amanda Clayton back on at some point. Uh, We'll do just a city on a hill, like retrospective. Yes. But but the the big thing that you told me about this job, which blew me away, was how much you guys shot in such a short period of time. So tell everybody, and and people that are not actors are not going to necessarily... Appreciate this. Well, a
0: normal how a normal show. Days, how many
1: pages <laughs> would you shoot in a day?
0: A normal show, uh, a normal one-hour drama shoots usually over a ten-day shooting schedule for one episode for one hour. And of, a network
1: one is like an eight-day schedule, right? It's so, like eight so to ten days. Is 10, but yeah, so let's say eight days.
0: Eight to ten days of shooting for one episode. One episode. For Tyler Perry, <laughs> for his one-hour drama, we were shooting an episode and a half in one day. So we were shooting, so on average, I would have, for myself- So in
1: 10 days, you would have shot 15 episodes. Episodes of television, yeah.
0: So we-
1: That's crazy, we, crazy, crazy.
0: I would have to get through, on average, 30 to 35 pages of dialogue that were, that were of me, for me to say by myself. Though I think my biggest day, was around 45 pages that I had to do. which was Which is half of what, there was like uh, one of the actresses on haves and have nots had to do almost 90 pages one day.
1: 90 pages in one day. I don't even know how that's humanly possible. <laughs> the next <laughs> question.
0: That one I would have freaked out. Yeah. 90 well, pages it, I would have But here's out. the
1: next question for it. So you said the first year you were freaked out, by the, the second season you were like, okay, I can do this and you settled into it. Yes. Where did you, okay, what were the, The pluses of that, I guess, the confidence of knowing you could get through as much material as anybody throws at you. Yeah. Was there a downside of bad habits from shooting that fast? And or did you were you able to combat that and feel like, okay, I can still kind of explore. I can still do things and not just go on autopilot memorizing lines, which is not what acting is. Right. Can I like what did you feel that? and And this is
0: where I hearkened back to my training. The <laughs> my two, training. my training, my, the Meisner technique stuff to be able to be like, okay, these are the words. I just have to get those out. But there's a deeper emotion. There's a deeper sense of like connection and being able to be connected to whoever's standing across from you and know where your, where your purpose lies within that relationship. And just be able to like spit out the words. The words almost don't even matter because it's just a lot of back and forth the dialogue. Yeah, it's but- mostly the relationship and the emotions and and the you know my character was lying a lot, so it was a lot of like whatever was coming out of my mouth didn't matter anyway because yeah. it was all a lie. So there was a lot of that. Um, we we also didn't have to be script perfect. Tyler is the writer and the director and the producer, and so like. If we so had he to there, like change. He did did things, he direct all the episodes? Everything. He was there really? every single day. Yeah. He's a he is a force of nature. By that the I can't way, even what an incredible! Like going
1: back to the conversation over the weekend about you know the business side of things. He, his entrepreneurial skills are. I I told you I saw him speak at uh, this thing called On Producing, and his story of how he got ownership of his material and how he has opened the studio, which you're going to go to. He's you know,
0: the, changed my life. Incredible. Just being in his presence yeah. and and absorbing his energy and his philosophies and his spirituality and his, everything about him is just fascinating and wonderful. And he's just, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's just a force to be around. And it's, you know, all you want to do is be the best you can when you're in his presence. You're like, (laughs) and, but it was like letting all that kind of just trust and be like, I'm here for a reason. I belong here. Here I go. This is what I do. I'm going to give it all my all and and do my 45 pages and yeah. get it all out and 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 it was also the Oprah Network as well, right? Yes. And so I don't know. Did you ever have any interaction? Oh yeah, she, she came to set. Really?
1: Yeah. Another amazing. Yeah, no person big deal. to be around. <laughs> yeah, another amazing person to be around.
0: I've hugged Oprah. So, um, and she, so, but there was a sense of of this strange thing that once we had kind of wrapped that first season, and I was starting to meet with. Uh, some bigger people as far as producing and, and directing and whatever else in Hollywood in general. And I was getting asked the same question. It's like, wow, you do a lot of stuff. Well, do you think that developed you any bad habits? And I was going, oh, no. Because now you have to redefine Now yourself. you, as a giant producer, you're assuming that I'm... Not like... not n- That I'm developing bad it. habits, that right. I'm not going to be able to perform in the right way. And it was this... I'm, I'm thankful that I had that sort of feedback from people... And essentially every meeting I had was, was like, okay, cute, but no, like we don't, nobody like had a real interest in working with me. Yeah. And I think they were either scared off by the bad habit thing that they were assuming about me or whatever it is, but it also made me go like, okay, this is what people assume. And I knew that right off the jump.
1: And you knew you had to overcome that.
0: And shooting so quickly... Allowed us to have time to do some guest star roles in between seasons, which is wonderful. And a lot of other actors who are series regular and anything else, they don't have a lot of the downtime to be able to do that. So I got to jump in and do some other stuff and shoot on an eight day schedule now on a regular show. So I was just off of doing like our first season and I went to go do another show, a guest star role. And it was kind of an emotional scene, and there was like five people, it was like an interrogation scene, and there's like five people in the room. So now when there's five people in the room, the camera has to catch all five individuals in that room, which means you have to do it at least, at very least, six different times because you have to do the full wide shot of catching everyone, and then you have to go around the room and do it over and over and over again. And then you're probably doing it from different angles. Yeah. So it's at least like 10 to 20 times you're really it. Yeah. doing it. And the very first time, so it was like this big confessional and being like confronted by this police officers and this detective and all this stuff. And I had to like confess to something and freak out. I'm used to getting to set on if loving you is wrong and being ready to go like theater yeah. and being ready to go and being like, if I have to cry, I'm going to do it right now Yeah, because it's, this is it. This is it. I have one shot to do this. And then I got to do this set and I was like, went full on. I just went full out. Very first take.
1: And did you empty yourself out? And no, but as to-
0: soon as I, like, we were kind of in the middle of it and I was like, okay. I Then it was like, I reminded myself that it was a wide shot somewhere in my work. So I knew I was kind of off, but then we finished and I was like, oh my God. I said, this is, I went, like, I went way too far for this first take. Like, I, I can't believe I just let myself do that because it's like, you know, yes, it's like expelling everything. And then you're like, I have to do that 20 more times. Shit. Yeah. You got to gauge it a little bit. And I was like, okay, pump the brakes. And thankfully our first AD was like, this is pretty emotional for you. So we're going to shoot yours stuff first. And I was like, thank God. (laughs) But it was like okay the here's here's the balance the i have to remember where i am and what i'm doing and i have to adjust this and i have to be able to do both and i did and yeah. it was it was okay but it was like
1: a little bit of a bump
0: taking all of these like experiences and going like oh okay now i see the full picture this is how it works yeah. yeah and having to not break bad habits but make sure that i knew the difference and be able to and still go back to, to shooting if loving you is wrong and still stay on that pace yeah. and you still gotta be ready to
1: whatever world you're in and whatever yeah. form you're in. Yeah. So let me jettison us again. Cause I, I really got to get to it. City on a hill, You're done. You do three episodes, three seasons of, of, if loving you is wrong, five, five seasons of If loving you is wrong. (laughs) It ends because it just ends. It just like, it ran its course or Tyler
0: moved to another network. He's now with, uh, I think like BET and and Viacom and all that. So that, that
1: that ends in what year, like how, how much before you went in for city on a hill (laughs) or, or was it overlapping?
0: I was in Atlanta filming, if loving you is wrong when the date got pushed from my one day of shooting on the pilot for City on a Hill, I was supposed so to you film did, the pilot. Well, let's
1: go back before, like, cause I want to hear like, was that just a, an audition that you put yourself on tape for in Atlanta or what?
0: For City, on, City, a City Hill. on a Hill? No, I was living, I, we had moved back to the East coast, my husband and I, and I was like my third audition after moving back to, um, to the East. We, I went in for, uh, City on a Hill and it was like, Similar to the bleed for this audition, where I had, it was the same thing. I like looked at it, and I was like, This is me. I got this. Like, this yeah. is this is me. It's yeah. not there's that was there kind of the, her, the,
1: the voice that the, what I had kind of heard. I believe it was Chuck that tells me who's on the show. He may have even said it in his interview, I can't remember, or if he just told me off you know, off mic that when you came in, it was like, Oh, that's the girl. It was just
0: he told me, and which was cool to know, but I almost didn't want to know. He was like, I can teach anybody to to have the Boston accent. Like we, anybody can can learn how to do. But that. you can't
1: teach Boston there's the attitude. Thing, there's yeah. just the <clears>
0: thing about the the East Coast, that New England thing. He's like, there's he's like, there's something he told me. There's something you did with your face.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. Tell and he me goes, that. Yeah. there's
0: something you did with your face. He's like, I can't teach them how to do that. And he's like, that face, my sister, my mother, my aunts, everybody makes that face. And I was like, what face? And he's like, I'm not telling you. Like, I can't, he's like, I shouldn't have even told you that.
1: And Chuck McClain, by the way, is the creator of of city on hill who I'm talking about, who, by the time you've heard this interview, hopefully you've heard my interview with Chuck (laughs) and, 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 and that's the thing is that you, you know, in sitting here talking to you. So the big thing that I've said all weekend to everybody we've encountered is like, I saw the trailer or some footage of you prior to meeting you. You have big hair, early 90s Boston. I saw it, and I was like, that girl's from Boston. Like, I actually thought you were from, like, Revia or somewhere (laughs) like that, you know? Like Because I went to school up there, and I can recognize it, too. I I wouldn't have said Rhode Island. I would have said, like, you know, Charlestown or whatever. I was like, that's—she's really from there, which you're not quite, you know? No. But so— then the thing is, then I met you through Kevin because Kevin's working on the show. Your husband and and you came to his trailer, and you look like you look right now, which is like you look like you fell out of like LL Bean. Like you look, <laughs> you look like kind of preppy, you look like kind of demure, and like nothing like nothing your character, like my character. And and what's interesting in hearing this whole conversation and asking you about your progression to where you are now is that in many of your stories. I actually do hear Kathy Ryan, your character, in those stories. There's just like a, there's like a uh this this honesty and like blunt honesty, no BS. Yeah. Th- this is what I'm gonna do. Uh I I'm I'm she's she's uh, you know, a little, <laughs> I'd say rougher on the edges She's a little rougher on the edges. Are. Yes. But but there's a similar, there's just the a fire in you that comes across in the character. But then what I love is how in your life, you're like, a you know, very different from her to the point of yesterday, those guys, you know, older Italian guys at this golf outing where, where we're hanging out and they're talking about the show. And I'm going, you seen it? You know, the guys, like, yeah. Frankie yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, the two brothers, you know, the wife. Oh yeah. She's, she's beautiful. Yeah. 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 She's, she's cool. Right. She's got the big hair. Oh yeah. She's tough. Oh, she's great. I go, yeah, that's her. And he goes, and I, he
0: goes, oh, she does the accent. So great. I love her. She's so perfect. And you're
1: standing there right next to me and they don't believe it.
0: Turning beat red. To
1: the point where we go inside and someone has to come and say, those guys don't believe that you're actually her. They're out there arguing about it. Uh, they, they can't believe yeah. it.
0: And they it's, didn't believe because my hair is short now, and so they didn't believe that it was. They were, and then they were arguing. No, it's really her. No, it's really her. No, her hair is short. No, that she wore a wig. And I went out, and Everybody I was like, and then when the, they said it was a wig, I was like, okay, no, 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 I'm going back outside. So I went outside and I showed them the the progression, the um, sped up video of the time her release. doing time lapse an hour video. and a half. The time lapse video of an hour and a half of her curling and teasing and putting all of my long hair up, so, and they were like, oh my god, it's it really—it's an,
1: an incredible performance. If someone hasn't seen City on a Hill please you know it's the kind of thing where like I told my mom I was going to be with you this weekend she's like oh my god the blonde I love her she's like like people <laughs> oh react god, in I a way it. to your performance that is the way I reacted which I told you I said I can't I, I don't know how this that doesn't doesn't catch the eyes of people it's such a great performance thank you and I really mean that and and so she'll just talk because we will have to wrap it up just just talk a little bit about about the experience of city on a hill after coming from shooting 45 pages in a day what what was the joy of city on a hill the different joys of that what what did you love 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 about it what and what did you maybe not like about
0: it i loved the getting to really dive into a character in that way um the the if Loving You Is Wrong was really wonderful and it was a, it was great to be able to get on set and play and bounce back and forth with people and have that almost like theater experience on set where you can't really replace that sort of like live thing that happens, that energy and, yeah. that energy and, and everything that's going on. and But we were given that freedom with If Loving You Is Wrong to just sort of bounce and play and, and ad lib things and just like let things go to wherever they were going to go. And he, having Tyler there, he would always just kind of steer us back to if he needed us to, but it was just watching magic happen on screen a lot of the time. And so then, but it was also very like surface level. It was very soap opera um, content wise. It was very, you know, heightened drama and all this stuff. And so there wasn't a lot of like in depth, real like base level character work to really like, chew on for city on a hill it kathy was originally supposed to just be a recurring role as frankie's wife and after the pilot showtime came back and said we need more females on the show and she needs to be a series regular which was beyond my ever expectations yeah (laughs) And I didn't know that until the show got picked up, and then they gave me my contract stuff to sign, and it was a series regular contract. And I was like, I'm sorry, wait, what? (laughs) This was not supposed to – I was like hoping for three episodes. I was like – and then all of a sudden I was in every single one, and I never expected that to happen.
1: It's hard to imagine the show without you on it now that I know the show. I can't imagine that, and that – yeah, so go on.
0: And then uh, Chuck McLean, our our creator, had mentioned somewhere along the lines, uh, before we started filming, I had been talking with him a little bit, and he had said one quick thing, and he said, you're like Lady Macbeth. Or he said, Kathy's like Lady Macbeth, but, like, cool with it. which the, Like, minus the psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> and I immediately was like, oh, my God. Like... It's like every actress's like dream. It's like yeah. I get to dive into this like incredible female energy and character, and this sort of be the the neck that swivels the head. And and it was so, I was like, oh my god, I can I can work with that for the rest of my life. Like yeah, and it became so incredible and so perfect to just get on set and be able to dive in and put, and having it be a period piece and be able to be in like nineties wardrobe. So you do get to get out of yourself, yeah. right? Like I don't look in the mirror and see myself anymore. I was like, I look in the mirror it with the frees hair you up and way. I'm like, yeah. there she is. I'm Amanda's no longer here. Kathy's here now. And it, I had the acrylic nails on my hands for like six months and learned how to deal with those. And it was, to just really be enveloped and live in her skin for so long. It was what I literally cut my hair when we were done and took my nails off because I had to strip her away because I was so connected to her and I was so attached to her, which sounds very, for anybody who's not an actor, that sounds like, sounds like I have a mental problem. Yeah,
1: And you're also not but, one of, by the way, I told you my wife, my wife, you know, who hasn't met you yet. Right. You guys haven't met, but, but she like loves you on the show and, and she's like, I really like her. And like, you're so not, Actressy, I hate to say that, but you're really like you're. So for you, it's, it's nice to hear you say that. Like, like that sounds very like like a very you know, actor-y. I had to strip myself, but I believe you when you say it. as well. I had to
0: like cleanse her. Yeah, away. Yeah. I had to be able to look in the mirror and see myself again in some way, yeah. Yeah. and not because she would start to come out at home. And like <laughs> I would like, get a little extra, no. a little too fiery with things, and Kevin's like, "Can, can Kathy please go back to Brooklyn? Please, yeah, because that's where we filmed, and so." But my least favorite thing, the, the, like the worst part about it, and I said this after probably like our second or third episode of filming, I came home and I said to Kevin, this is, this sucks because I'm never going to do this again. Like I have to assume right here and now that this is never going to happen for me again in my career, that this is the most incredible role I'm going to get and it's never going to get better than this because it's that good. It's that much fun to do. It's that juicy. It's that I have that much to play with. I have like these directors and they get her and they get it and they get what's supposed to be happening here and I'm not.
1: They also, you had such ownership over it that I got the feeling that you were driving the ship on Kathy they were allowing you and they were allowing you cuz they're like she's got it she's got the ball let's let her run and with they it just whatever trusted me yeah. and it me. was yeah. uh, then that feeling. like
0: it's nobody was like yeah i think she's more like that like no one would dare to touch her yeah everybody was just like yes that's it's great and we love it and it's so much fun and like let's do that again just cuz it was that fun and it, it and working opposite of of Jonathan Tucker was just to have him as my husband and and to
1: he's great. I was in, in class. I was in acting class with him uh, a couple years ago, and he like his intensity and and just real like he his dedication to it and trying to bring everything to it and the
0: trust that so we developed. With you guys had other. A, such a I great mean, relationship
1: was, on camera, yeah, and
0: and and off camera, it was really great to just. To have all of these things. It was like this wonderful, perfect storm. Yeah. And I'm never gonna have that again. Well, and I, I, the, I, I, I'm gonna but I wish have to assume do. that. Yes, you do have <laughs> to
1: assume it, but I'm gonna hope for the rest of our sakes that you do have something. I don't else like, like to like say that. never. So it's y- yeah. But but I I get what you're saying. It's one of those ones where you you pinch yourself while you're doing it. You're so grateful for it because you acknowledge in the moment, holy crap, this is amazing. You know, this is, this is amazing. I had that, I was telling you about Huge in France. That character for me, it was so much, it was very, very similar experience of them giving me leeway, me just for some reason having it. And it clicked. And 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 it it clicked and it was a joy to go to work. Like a joy to go to work. Yes. And and so. At four
0: o'clock in the morning. I was like, yep, I'm up. I'm ready. Let's do this. Well,
1: I, 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 really. Pray that you do have. I mean, first of all, I believe you're still going to be continuing uh, with with it. We don't, you know, we don't. We're in between seasons and all and that. So, but I'm I'm saying even pray. beyond Kathy Ryan, I can't wait to see what else you do with your career because you're really a, a, like a force of nature, and Thank and you. you're a great person. Thank you. And Kevin's awesome, and I don't know if we even bring that up. But do we bring it? Yes. Congratulations. And then in your, December,
0: there's going to be. December,
1: a, there's going to be a third one.
0: I'm going to officially be a mama bear. Yeah. And, um, so
1: congratulations on your pregnancy. <laughs> I don't you. know if like, do I bring it up? I don't know what the timing of this is, but maybe by the time this maybe is out, you'll out, already we'll, be a mom. We'll be know? announcing
0: what it is. Cause we don't so know yet.
1: You don't know yet. So, so quick. And now I'm going to ask you, everybody kind of, you know, pontificates on these. Unfortunately for you, for time reasons, Uh, This has to be rapid fire. I'm going to give you real quick. The the word no actually means
0: what to you? Oh God. Without pontificating, um, the word no is actually, uh, it actually means you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Because it's, it's the old adage of like, you know, unanswered prayers and all that stuff, but it really is a.
1: Whoa. Fire alarm. Fire alarm. Yeah. Okay. This, this, real quick. Your go-to mantra when everything falls apart. Wow. That's great. They're like, you have to stop this interview. It's almost two hours. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, when everything falls apart, my go-to mantra is, I always think about my dad saying this too shall pass. Yeah. Um and it's so true. Everything everything that you've gone through, it's you get through. Yeah. On the other side. You go through everything. You don't get over it. You don't move on from it. You go through it. And then it's a memory. And then it's it's something that's now a part, a part, of, part you, of you. And you've gone through that. And now it's like that's gone and that's done. And I'm not afraid of that anymore, because yeah. I did that. Yeah. Moving on. Like, yeah. Last one.
1: If you could give your younger self advice, what age would you intervene? And what would the advice be?
0: I would intervene around 16, probably, probably around the time that I got up and did that monologue and had to grade myself. And I would probably tell myself, no, give yourself the credit you deserve. And don't be afraid to ask for more. And push yourself and and put it out there. Don't be afraid to continue to do this and put it out there in front of people and give yourself the credit for doing that and celebrate it.
1: That's awesome. Amanda Clayton, thank you so much. What a great time thank sitting you. down with you for this. What a great weekend. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to all yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. What
0: we do here is go back, 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 back,
1: back. God, I cringed when I listened back to this episode because I identified so much with Amanda's struggle. Here we go. Top three takeaways. Always hard to pick them. Number one, that high school assignment Amanda did to discover her inner gift when she chose the Joan of Arc monologue. Great assignment, by the way. She extends herself. She knocks it out of the park. But then here comes the kicker.
0: By the end of the week, she said, okay, now everybody has to grade themselves. Out of 100, and I gave myself a 90, I think. I may have even given myself an 85.
1: She did the work, but she shortchanged herself. The important lesson here, the teacher didn't correct her and bump the grade up. If you tell someone you're just average, they'll believe you. Give yourself credit when you deserve it. Number two, listen to this
0: quote. Everything sort of fell in my lap. Like this, the agent came in and was like, do you have a headshot? Sure, I do. Here you go. Cool. Here's as the world turns. Okay, great. That was fun. What's next? Like it was just waiting for the thing to come. Yeah. And then I had gotten this really awful habit of waiting for something to happen.
1: All of the things that fell in her lap didn't necessarily make her stronger. That's why the tagline of this podcast is failure is opportunity. Not that you should try to seek out failure, but it was only after all else failed. She lost her best friend, the restaurant where she was working shut down. Only after all of that, Did she move to L.A. and start taking things into her own hands? Why do we have to wait until after we've been pummeled to learn the lesson? Not quite sure, but it seems to be the case for most people. So don't wait. Go after your dreams aggressively. Number three, the story of being treated poorly at the audition where Amanda said no one acknowledged her. And then a few weeks later, the same office calls her back in. She put her ego aside and went back, which proved to be a really smart
0: move. I don't want to let them win. That's not fair. Like, no, I almost gave up because of them. Screw them. They're not going to win. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to book this role.
1: Going in got her the job, even though it wasn't a great job that put her on a set. Then the Tyler Perry opportunity came back around and now she was in a much better frame of mind than if she had refused to go in and was waiting tables the day she had to go in for Tyler. For the most part, I'd say whatever your ego tells you, do the opposite. All right. That is it. Thank you, Amanda Clayton. Thank you all for listening. Check out the links in our show notes for more information about Amanda, similar past guests, where to follow me on social media so you can get announcements and promo videos of who's next be added to our mailing list, contact us, or shop for t-shirts and hats in our store at 10000 nosecom All the links are there. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you don't miss any episodes when they come out. And don't be afraid to share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.